0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Time now to shine the spotlight on China. Is China looking less attractive to foreign investment? Well, the U.S. announcing a major Asia economic deal. How will this affect China? And UN Human Rights Chief Michelle Bachelet is set to visit China this week to give what is the country hoping to achieve in this rare visit by the UN. To give us an analysis of these headlines, we have on the line Tan Don Wei, China Bureau Chief with The Straits Times. First up, political and regulatory issues in China have been exasperated by zero COVID And russia's war according to the financial times the unpredictable outlook for many multinationals may herald a shift in how the global economy works from your perspective is china looking less attractive to you know foreign investment nowadays should the country be worried and
1: do something to change their ways hi good morning well, a growing number of foreign companies are saying that they're considering or are making plans to exit China. And an increasing number of foreign executives, too, have either already left or want to leave because of China's strict COVID policy. Even Chinese citizens themselves have been looking at options to leave the country, something we wrote about just over the weekend The EU Chamber of Commerce in Beijing, which has 1,800 members, says 23% of its members are considering relocating their current or planned investments out of China to other markets, and that is the highest proportion in a decade, and nearly 80% of them say China has become a less attractive investment destination because of its COVID policy. The American Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai also had similar findings in its survey of 121 American firms. 26% of those companies said they had decreased their investments because of the lockdown in Shanghai, and half of them said they would reduce investment if the COVID policy remains in place for the next year. The Wall Street Journal recently reported that Apple is looking to move some of its production from China to Vietnam and India because of China's COVID measures. So there is a lot of uncertainty and gloom among foreign investors. China's domestic economy has already been badly hit by the outbreak and the COVID controls, and retail sales are down pretty sharply while unemployment has gone up. So the overall environment is not really one of optimism. The business sentiments are shaped not just by China's COVID policy, although that forms a large part of it, but it's also the war in Ukraine and the impact of that on global supply chains. The regulatory tightening in China across different sectors, from property to tech to education, plays a role as well. I think everyone is waiting to see if things may let up after the 20th Party Congress at the end of this year and whether some policies that were tightened in the run-up to the leadership reshuffle might be loosened. The optimistic ones would be betting on that, but pessimistic ones are probably convinced that the economic outlook for China isn't that rosy and the leadership's increasingly ideological leanings will persist. And that would be something not all foreign firms would want to stomach yeah very true as well
0: not all foreign investors would want to stomach that in a move to raise its economic profile the u.s. has announced a major Asia economic deal in an effort to boost its profile to you know counter China can you share with us the details of this deal and how is this a way to counter China and push the country out of supply chains I mean how likely will China feel the heat from this
1: The framework is part of the Biden administration's strategy to level up its engagement with Asia economically, especially since it walked away from the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Pact, which China is now applying to be a part of. Right now, 12 countries have signed up to this new U.S. trade initiative. Australia, Brunei, India, Indonesia, Japan, Malaysia, New Zealand, the Philippines, Singapore, South Korea, Thailand, and Vietnam. It's not like other trade deals because it doesn't provide greater market access, such as tariff reduction. Instead, its members cooperate in four areas. The digital economy, supply chains, clean energy infrastructure, and anti-corruption measures, where standards have been set and agreed on. Countries can pick one of these four pillars to focus on, and negotiations can then start on the specific commitments that they have to meet, binding or non-binding, and that process could take between 12 and 18 months. But beyond that, it's unclear what kind of potential damage this new pact will do to China, which already is the largest trading partner of many of the countries on the list and is also in regional trade groupings such as the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership or the RCEP. One potential impact could be that if these countries successfully meet the standards set out in this trade deal, they could become new manufacturing bases for American companies, many of whom are already re-looking at shifting the production away from China.
0: This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Yeah, and before we let you go, let's focus on uh, China's foreign ministry. They've announced that, you know, the UN human rights chief, Michel Bachelet, will arrive in the country for a historic visit this week. Now, what does China hope to achieve with this visit from the UN's human rights chief? Will the country be going all out to debunk the stories of Uyghur Muslims'
1: treatment over there? Ms. Bachelet started her six-day official visit yesterday, and it's the first visit by a UN human rights chief since 2005. Her office says she will be visiting Guangzhou in Guangdong province and Kashgar and Urumqi in Xinjiang and will meet with high level national and local officials, and also civil society organizations, business representatives, academics, and also will be delivering a lecture to students at Guangzhou University. She is expected to issue a statement and hold a press conference at the end of her visit. She will be in a closed loop system and media will not be allowed to travel with her because of COVID restrictions. This also means she will not be able to meet anyone from outside the bubble. Hence, it's likely to be a very controlled visit with limited engagement with local people instead of the unfettered access she had asked for back in 2018. Already, the U.S. and human rights groups have voiced concerns about what they think will be very limited access for Ms. Bachelet and that her report after her visit would not capture what is really happening on the ground, specifically human rights violations against Xinjiang's Uyghur population. What China hopes to achieve would obviously be for Ms. Bachelet to present a report that works in its favor so that it can tell the world that it opened its doors to the UN for inspection during COVID times too. And the UN came and they saw and hopefully vindicated China. But we're not sure at this point what Ms. Bachelet will actually get to see or who she will get to talk to. We will have to wait and see what comes out at the end of her trip.
0: You're really looking forward to the outcomes of that historic visit. We've we'll been in conversation with Tan Dongwei, China Bureau Chief with The Straits Times. Thank you so much for your time and we'll catch up with you later.